0: Hey, what up? This is Mariah Karina and Arikai Moon coming at you live. We had a really, I think, deep and profound conversation this time. We covered a lot of territory. Somehow, through the prismatic lens of looking at cancer, we also discussed different approaches to healing, trauma, karma, and understanding something about what it means to hold love in the in the face of everything that we go through as human beings beautiful
1: yeah i'd also say um just going into the way that we can find the imprint of whether it be our trauma or the imbalance or the antidote and the medicine of every sign within the zodiac or within the planets like we can find the antidote with sign before it say or or even just like within the relational dynamic or the relational field um of how they relate to one another and build upon one another and yeah i just really love seeing seeing um the nature of reality inside of like these different fractals and these different filters from which we can look through like the lens of Chinese medicine and the way that we can we can track them through the organs and just seeing the, the, the planets and the archetypes in the same in the same way just deepens and enriches our experience with
0: them. We cover a little bit about um, the developmental psychology model as applied to the zodiac wheel share a little bit also of our personal experiences and because we're continuously obsessed with gender, sexuality, and the archetypal energies of masculine and feminine, we have a good bit of that. it woven all through it. We start recording right in the middle of our conversation. So dive in, let's go. And also like
1: family and like not just family, but tribal bonding. You know, so when it's like, I'm allied to this, I'm not allied to this. Like if you're a family with a tree and that tree species and everything that they're allied to, then it's like, it makes it really easy for me to see a human that is like not allied to that and me being like, okay, and then you and everything that you are for, I'm against. You know, it creates this like really strong um, bond And therefore safety within that bond and this desire to then like mother bear protect, you know, mother bear protect your young or like mother bear protect your, your, yeah, your tribe, your home, your, your family. And that then creates like the division, you know, the separation, the need for like or walls or, you know. Mm -hmm. Yeah which is interesting part two of like the feminine because I often like we really focus a lot on like men throughout history like being the ones carrying the guns and the swords and like hunting and doing these like more violent things like for um for their quote-unquote greed or for the um protection of their family or for the growing of their empire. And I think that it's really interesting too of just um I picture the woman or the mother or the grandmother like killing the scorpion or slashing the head of a serpent and putting like wanting walls to separate, you know, nature from the inside of the the hearth of the home, you know, to protect the babies. And it's like a lot of women even now will be like really loving and like pick up a scorpion with a, you know, a jar and then take it out and remove it into nature, but like once they have a baby they'll just like straight up kill it. You know, it's like this this really interesting instinct of like I think the feminine to protect um the young and therefore see like anything that could potentially hurt it as like a threat. And I think that that's been like a major part in what's like separated humans from like nature and like even wanting to like separate us from the elements and the climate itself, you know, and, and like a lot of, you know, why quote unquote women biologically are more attracted to certain things. And they were saying that that's like, you know, like a big man, for instance, or someone that can like run and hunt faster, you know, there's these different like biological or evolutionary like markers that they've done research on and I think a lot of times that has to do with like who can quote-unquote protect me and my young you know which mm-hmm. is like giving it's like that's that feminine cap, like um calculating part and then it's like go off and do it but it's like oh see it's the man that's doing it
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. do you yeah. know what I mean totally and I mean you know I really love all the ways in which we are able to view things through the lens of masculine and feminine. And I also, especially at this time, think it's more important to complicate those categories as much as possible. Um, like I might've told you before, but I'm going to tell it again for our viewers, because I was reading this book on Zogchen Buddhism. And um, there's this one lineage of that that traces its origin back to Tibet. And in that version of Tibetan Zen, whatever it was, Uh, They were dividing Shiva Shakti differently in that they were assigning it to different sex and genders assigned at birth. So they were actually saying that bodies with penises, men, are much more Shakti right? They're much more, they focus on one thing. They're concerned about their own energy and expressing it. It like makes me think of like rock stars with their long hair and just want to play guitar all day. And even evolutionarily, it's just about their energy. Even if you were going to bring in those different tropes of like men had to be the hunters and women were the gatherers who developed language to stay at home around the fire and be collective with the babies. Like, I think that argument gets thrown around a lot, and maybe it was historically true, but I don't think it's enough to completely encase the entire history of all the different varieties and diversities of human civilizations from the origin to today, right? That's absolutely absurd. But, um, Even if you were going to go along with that evolutionary model that people use to justify contemporary gender roles, you would have to say like, actually for these men, right? It's so much more of this kind of like Shakti expression to go out hunting and follow yourself and whatever. Whereas the women were in this more Shivic role. They're the ones having to map the entire system, having to compute huge amounts of data and synthesize it together in order to make the most strategic move, right? Like... There's like
1: essentially holding the container slash home slash community together while the men go off and, like, do their thing to, like, bring back their fruits of labor.
0: Yeah, and even the process of raising a child. Like, even if you've ever done any sort of childcare for an hour, there is so much holding space that you need to do. Like, you are just watching that kid eat a peach and express itself Even if you want to take it away from men and women, you can at least say the child is holding the Shakti role, whereas the parent, and in this case, often the mother, caregiver, is having to hold that shivik role, creating the container, holding space, following tracking, encouraging the development and blossoming of the child. And it just made so much sense to me. There was this funny line I read in a book. It said that no creature on earth is more shrewd and discerning than a woman trying to decide if she wants to have a man's baby. And it's true. I know this being the age that I am and being a woman with heterosexual female friends, where it's just like every single data point is logged and tracked and filed away and computed and refined into like consciously and unconsciously, right? Even maybe what attracts us to someone in their smell, they're saying is like our genetics doing a deep read analysis of whether our genes would be comparable with their genes to produce a Offspring viably able to survive due to the information we're able to gather from pheromones. And so, just thinking that it's like, yeah, there are all of these times in which women are put into that more Shivic role as well, makes it feel more fluid and more playful. And I think such an interesting jump happens between Gemini and Cancer because. A lot of people try and put this developmental model onto the Zodiac, right? Aries, spark of life. You're born. Taurus, you have a body. You become aware of your survival needs. Gemini, language, prefrontal cortex, verbal communication, cancer, your feeling body, which even just in itself shows you need so much just to be able to feel, which I think a lot of people realize now. It's like, oh, wow, actually letting myself feel is an outgrowth. Is a byproduct of feeling safe enough to actually have feelings. And so right. much of how we develop and cultivate safety is by feeling like we have a loving and supportive family, but also feeling like we have a tribe, like there is an us, which yeah. automatically means there is a them. And something yeah. so weird happens to me when you go from Gemini, which is this trickster, curious able to hold multiplicity, everything all at once, can engage, can social butterfly, can chameleon, can transform, can tell stories, can imagine into all of a sudden cancer. When you do link emotion to things, some of that ability to hold multiplicity, some of that ability to play and interact and connect with everyone starts to collapse into my heart, my body, my needs, my feelings, my family, my tribe, my child. And like you're saying that different survival quality enters in and then it becomes fused. I think deeply the survival instinct with our sense of self and with our sense of who's our tribe and our family against the other in this really Mm -hmm. intense need to survive Mm -hmm. and attain emotional safety. Mm -hmm. And what's so problem. I mean, like we see how problematic it is. To source your own emotional safety and your sense of identity from your tribe, from your group, the world is falling apart right now because of people's unexamined emotional instincts towards tribal identification at the expense and dehumanization of another. And this could be like the absolute death of humanity, and just already has been the destruction of so many living beings oh. because we the other them because they're other to human. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I was just thinking
1: about like what we were speaking about in a couple episodes ago about the importance of being mirrored and attuned with inside of our ability to feel safe, to develop our nervous system, even to um, bond with another, to have this healthy sense of intimacy and connection. And so if we don't have, if we have such an inability to attune and mirror and receive our reflection from the outside because we have all of these programs, these social um, programs that have like hindered us from being able to actually empathize um, not only with the entire world as far as like all the inhabitants, but also each other and like our different differences, you know, in orientation of gender or ethnicity, whatever the, whatever the difference is that even causes us to, and even just this, this blow up in, in, um, uh, individuality. And, and, um, I think it's like, we can have like narcissists, like narcissistic tendencies that are like individually focused and also like group focused to where it's like whole groups can't see other whole groups and individuals can't see other individuals. And I feel like that, dissonance has created so much cognitive dissonance inside of our ability to actually um, perceive and not have fragmented parts of our psyches and therefore the inability to feel that that twin or that mirroring or attunement experience and then that we would hope to see inside of Gemini and that ability to connect and like draw the bridges of connection inside of places where that we would be like say traveling to even just a house where there's like another culture or um, a jungle that there's like a different plant species or you know it's like we, we don't have that that curiosity and fluidity because we weren't able to develop that. We had all these fractures and cognitive dissonance, um, that hindered our brains from being able to develop in our perceptions to be able to be that, um, versatile. And then I think that that stunts us in being able to then like develop our nervous system connect and know who we can connect with feel safe and so we can't even connect and feel attuned to by our own mothers half the time um mm. much less than any one after that right
0: yeah and i love what you're saying like if gemini is part of the nervous system and then cancer is part of this attachment system yeah That and i think both
1: the are the system because of of how the perception of reality and then how the actual feeling safe and having that symbiotic relationship inside of the cancer is a part of that nervous system developing, you know, and the neurology that then is the fruiting example of that, or at least like the simultaneous symbiotic relationship happening. Which is so interesting because I was saying how we were talking about what we do with our clients. And I was like, I don't know how to, um, how we're supposed to advertise for this. Because you think that we're doing pole dancing lessons or singing lessons or anything that's like this creative thing, which we would find in Leo. And instead, we end up going into this deep, hypnotic, soul retrieval, (laughs) shamanic experience to um, retrieve some of the psychological um, or mend some of the psychological fractures and um, tend to the nervous system that has like deep embedded traumas um, or um, or was just never even given the space to even fully develop. And so it's like, it's like before we can experience that Leo fifth house in its mm-hmm. glory and in its like real true empowerment, I feel like it's, it's a necessary journey to, to be able to address that Gemini- Perception and um, the nervous system and the attachment system of the bonding and intimacy mechanisms that uh, that happen in the fourth house and in Cancer.
0: Mm, Totally, yes. So many thoughts. Okay, (laughs) so um, the first is just uh, so I being in paradoxical ways, right? Think that I was born with like a very strong independent streak. Yeah. And like a sort of sense of who I am and was born into like a really alternative pocket of the world and was really proud of it and loved expressing it and like played sports and wrote poetry and had a lot of strong opinions about everything. Still do. But yeah, um, at, like the same- <laughs> <laughs> at the same time, I was born a hard core codependent hardcore codependent i have like uh libra in the fourth house south node skip steps my moon and neptune in capricorn in the seventh for whoever that means something to um i was put in that role and also played that role in my family of like the peacekeeper and the one who is always paying hyper vigilantly paying attention to everyone making sure everyone was okay stuffed all my own feelings down in order to um just be like a really loving presence and hyper attuned to others. And like when I first entered into puberty, I got really intensely depressed, like was horribly depressed all through middle school. Like I know a lot of people are. And it wasn't until I found my first boyfriend in high school when I was 14 that all of a sudden I was like, oh, I do want to be here. Totally threw myself into that relationship. To this day, the most toxic codependent alcoholic, drug addicted relationship I have ever been a part of. Fucking horrendous. But I think I wouldn't have even had the capacity to do that if it wasn't already a groove in my being. And so I know a lot of times cancers do get correlated as one of the signs to have these very strong codependent signature and having lived through that myself and having to kind of like you know, scrabble and crawl my way out of those deep patterns that were so familiar and so safe and known and comforting to my being. I've been able to learn so much about really what's inside of codependency and the dynamics that keep it going. And such a big part of it for me and what I've seen in other folks is that really it's a control mechanism. You're trying to control yourself so that you're presenting an image that you yourself deem lovable or likable because right. you think it's safe. You're trying to modulate your own behavior in order to control the other person's response to you. Right. And in that would directly get your need met. If I act this way, then you will give me X. You will provide X for me, which is also a covert attempt to control them in that Cancerian sort of sideways way.
1: Right. Right. And just to um, be valuable and um, safe within a system that's a system of power, a system that doesn't feel safe. And I think that's really interesting because I was thinking about when we were talking about the the Leo part of it, where it's like in order to be able to be empowered inside of our creativity, we often need to address these these deeper, you know, codependency or trauma bonding um, or fractures inside of our perceptions of reality and our ability to connect things. We have to address those Gemini Cancerian issues. Um, but I think that what happens is if we have some of those maladaptive experiences inside of the gemini cancer what we end up getting is like the really wounded part of the leo expression which is absolutely shining and being the the role that the society like it's like almost like shining and being that golden child like the expression of the art and the expression of the heart and the and the quote-unquote authentic nature gets um contorted based on what is valuable in society or what is, um, you know, what, what is lifted up, what is supported, what is deemed royal or funny or talented given um, the container. Um, Instead of that being like the actual true joy and authenticity and the true self being able to have a vehicle for expression inside of its art and inside of its um, just inside of its expression.
0: You know. Yeah, you get like this creative expression that is sculpted by the response of the audience, and I do think right. it's like if that emotional tether to the to the heart in cancer that also then creates that shell of the ego identity or of the emotional identity of the self of the person. It's almost like the alchemical container is forged in cancer, that then does its, you know, magic juicy juju in Leo. But if that emotional identity is formed around what do other people think is lovable? What gets me the loudest applause? Like when am I safe? Then that's what's going to be the light and the creative force that is able to shine forth. You know, it also makes me think, So much of um this is one of my this is one of my uh what do they call that like things you would like like I will die on this hill. (laughs) This is one of my I will die on this hill sort of give it to me. Like I I want to really feel I really feel that rejection, especially social sexual rejection is one of the most painful experiences that we go through as human beings not objectively, not from the outside, like being rejected by someone from the outside. It doesn't look the worst, especially on a planet where there's so much aggression and violence and horrendous things happening. But the experience inside, I feel, is the worst. Did you ever listen to that guy, Andrew Solomon? I think I might have tried to share him with you. He's this guy from the States. He has some amazing stories he tells on The Moth. And um, he was really depressed. And there's sort of that thing like, oh, only privileged people from the United States get depression. And he was a researcher and he decided to say like, oh, well, is that true? And so he went all over the world researching, do people in other countries and other socioeconomic situations get depression? And if so, how do those cultures deal with it within their context? And he found all these really cool stories. Anyway, he's great. You should go check him out. Andrew Solomon. But um, he had this one where he was going to be working with um, this woman who was uh, in one of the receiving centers for refugees coming from Cambodia during the dictatorship they had there. There was this dictator, Pol Pot, and he was just genociding his own people. And there were all these refugees leaving Cambodia. And this woman, his colleague, was really nervous. Like, how am I going to relate to it? They've been through so much. Um, you know, I don't know if my tools are sufficient for the uh, amount of trauma that these women have experienced. And, um, and then she starts talking to them. And one of the main things they want to talk about is like, so I met this guy in the refugee camp. But then he said he would reach out to me, but then I gave him my number of my relocation, but then he hasn't called, but maybe it's like they were, you know, human beings still dealing with like things that really affect them about like who they liked, where they felt rejected, what their desires were. Mm. Just to finish the story is amazing. What he actually had them start doing was, um, training them to give each other manicures and pedicures, under the auspices that then they would be able to get employment in the United States and Canada. But what it actually did is actually got them like touching each other and talking and making connection and like, oh, wow. each other, which is like, so like that animal thing, like, let me like, you know, like touch your hair. You. Yeah. Clean your nails. And in doing so, they built trust with each other and soothed and felt like they were beautiful again. And it brought them back to life in a lot of ways. Mm. That's so beautiful. I love love that story. But um, it shows you Which is like, I just love seeing all the,
1: oh, sorry. Go for it. I just love seeing all the like threads that every time it it, like, in order to find the um, medicine, I think that so many times we're like going into the archetype before it or something, or even a few archetypes. So the archetypes that square it or oppose it. And like in that moment, it's like she reached back into their like, humanity of the part and even like you're like saying like the animal part of us the like connected part of us are of our body and like tending and Mm -hmm. it's like the forest part it's like okay we're gonna give you a beauty like makeover totally. and in this like really intense refugee place it's like bringing the beauty back in and then the Gemini gets activated and starts talking about all the things again and like then it's like able to bring us back into a space where we could even like bond or something inside. <laughs>
0: yes, say yes and then healthy cancer right healthy right. cancer like it's amazing first of all just like you know, if you've ever been around a child, they're so tactile, they're so sensual, you know? And so it is like, if you have a kid, you're brushing their hair, you're washing their hands. It's like so giving them the opportunity to be children and to be caregivers again, and to find that embodiment and that emotional coherence with your embodiment that to me is healthy cancer. Go, go go ahead oh I was
1: just gonna say as I'm it's making me think um in the like the filter of Chinese medicine or ayurveda when yeah. we start to look at the organs we start to look at the elemental imbalances and sometimes I feel like when you're first learning, even maybe years after studying Chinese medicine, it's like it it can get so deep when you're learning the imbalances of every organ and how like every element starts to affect one another. And it's like, well, how do you actually get to the root? Because this could just be a long-term imbalance. And it starts feeding on itself in this like fractaling layer kind of like really in-depth way. But I feel like as we're speaking about astrology and oftentimes I feel like astrology, we can feel the same way about it because there's so many complexities and, okay. and in dimensions of it. But it's like, if you know, as we're speaking about it, I'm, I'm reminding myself if, if we just know what the core desire and like the, like the highest expression of that that we can at least touch in this moment of our consciousness if we could just know what that archetype wants then Mm -hmm. i feel like we can easily go back and trace all the things before that and find almost the antidote for every imbalance like say for leo there's like if we know the desire of leo the true one then we can go back into cancer, find the desire of cancer, find the, And it's like they fractal in and all are these like microcosms mm-hmm. of themselves. Yes. It's like in Drira's web, when there's like inside of the raindrop contains like all the raindrops on the spider web. And I feel like you can literally feel and see that when when we're really getting to know the planets and the archetypes and like understanding their true desires and their true nature and i just think that's like so beautifully um for me anyways held inside of this conversation
0: yeah it reminds me of ovid's metamorphosis where like the ancient pantheons of gods were always in flux and transformation always becoming other gods trees becoming deers becoming humans becoming rivers becoming lightning bolts and The zodiac is a circle because it's a hologram, it's a mandala. We divide it into these categories that our minds can understand, but everything is a raindrop containing everything else and reflecting everything else. And what you're saying about reverse engineering the archetypes, for me, the core of cancer is actually to love, to be love, to embody love. In the Water Trinity, they say, Mark Jones, he says the heart, the water represents heart, soul, and spirit. So heart, cancer, soul, Scorpio, spirit, Pisces. And um, even though the heart is correlated to Leo in traditional medicine astrology, but for me, it's that cardinal water radiating from the heart. Like the instinct is Purely to love, natural love. I think that's why it is even associated with, um, you know, family to begin with and children to begin with, like initiating love. And here's what I was saying about um, how one of the greatest pains we go through is rejection, Mm -hmm. because all of this control stuff, I think, is so much of a protection mechanism bracing against that feeling of rejection, And uh, I know a lot of times people say this is a trauma response. That's a trauma response. I saw on some social media thing the other day, someone was like, is my whole life a trauma response? And I think it's fine if you want to look at it that way. And I know a lot of folks who get a lot of benefit about looking that way and actually genuinely doing a deep dive and an inquiry into like, what was my trauma in the sense of what was an actual event that happened to me in this life and how can I trace how my patterns sort of Developed around that, like how the water eddied around that big event, that rock in the stream of my development, and like and all the coping strategies that
1: yeah.
0: you know yeah. result.
1: And in a, some way, I think our whole society is a trauma response,
0: and, and like yeah. layers and layers
1: of coping strategies.
0: But when did the trauma response initiate? Like, just I gotta say, this is another hill I'm gonna die on. Is I really feel Stop, like a lot of what we your death, about. okay. Just, okay, just this say is whatever you want on your hill, but don't die. <laughs>
1: this,
0: is, this is the hill I'm going to dance naked and eat chocolate in the rain on. Yes. Um, <laughs> which is that and if dying when, is necessary, we will in honor. <laughs> <laughs> and then we shall become the light and the dewdrop of the rainbow that shines, and every flower at dawn. And I shall light up um, well,
1: as you burn me and I turn into the flames that will later come back as an incinerating dragon for your head.
0: <laughs> and as you dance with the waves, I will be in every drop of water, rolling in and rolling out, eternal in the mist. <laughs> what it sounds like to come from the ancient whale people. And this is what it sounds like to come from the witch dragons. <laughs> from the ancient rainbow whales whales i came into the ancient rainbow whales i shall return (laughs)
1: there's actually
0: rainbows like on your face oh my goodness that's so great i have a sun catcher in my window and so it shines rainbows during a magical hour every day it's so funny. I was gonna do my own podcast before this called Whale God because whales are my gods. The Taoist whales of Jupiter are my gods, and then we like so we do this together, and we called it The Planets Are My Gods, which I feel like encapsulates that and so much more. But totally I love that. Because we're like always the codes of the, the dragon. dragon.
1: Yes, the (laughs) codes of the dragons, and here we are coming together. It's like planets are our gods, and the whales and the dragons <laughs> are the specific tribes from which we come.
0: <laughs> Speaking of tribalism. So I will dance an ecstatic reunion with my rainbow whale gods on this hill that um, obviously trauma happens in this thing. I mean, who knows what's going on, but this is what makes the most sense to me. I think sometimes we do experience intense traumatic things in this life. However, like Gabor Mate said, he's like, trauma isn't, what happens to us. It's not the event. Events are traumatic. Tra- like trauma itself is the internal structures and architectures and corridors that then energy tr- is able to travel through. That's the trauma. Is It's like this invisible architecture that lives inside of us. And I think a lot of what we call trauma, when you can start doing inquiry into yourself, you can feel it. You're like, oh, there's a hard structure here of how I relate, of how I get my needs met, of what happens when I feel ignored or lonely or scared, right? There is like a real mechanism that activates that we can all feel or like are in the process of learning how to feel deeper and deeper. And to me, it's like, I think that thing that we discover inside of ourselves and call trauma Other people discovered inside of themselves and called karma. Karma is habits, it's grooves, it's these inherited patterns and ways of being that are existing and operating inside and through us. And so I think it's like, I'm not trying to minimize anyone's trauma here, but I'm just trying to say I think a lot of What we discover inside of ourselves that is, like you said, these coping mechanisms, these addictive patterns, these ingrained ways of being that come from fear or attempt to control or feeling like we're unworthy are really deep patterns. And thinking about it as karma, I think people like thinking about it as trauma because I think it makes it reminds us that we're innocent and good, right? I think part of the point of trauma is that you were like this pure radiant being, and then something happened to you that was not you. And so there's a way in which, you know, you get to be innocent or maybe you also get to be the victim. Mm-hmm. Of what happened to you. Whereas like, if you say, Oh, this is my karma. Or if you say, Oh, these are like my egoic defense mechanisms to protect mm-hmm. me, to feel safe in the scene, mm-hmm. then it implies a level of responsibility and awareness because once you're aware of a habit right i would actually suggest that we
1: adopt all of the languages when describing this because i have i've recently found the value in acknowledging and finding the the like root of the trauma and oh, yeah. actually realizing the victimized part of that, like the the actual place where I felt abused or victimized in this really intense way. And, um, and then finding the way to word it as karma, being like, this is what I've created or attracted or experienced. Um, and now I'm here to like heal it or here to learn from it or restructure it or recode it or whatever. I think that then it's, yeah, it's like finding the way to be the victim, the perpetrator, and the hero inside of your own journey, right. right? It's like somehow those words of what you were saying, like, and kind of encompassed, like, all of those um, archetypes. And it felt like it was, like, this valuable thing for me recently to to realize that um, the victim is is essential. Um, yeah being able to also take responsibility and be co-creative and, and proactive on the healing of it and the awareness around it. And, um, and then like responsible for our own internal oppressor or, um, addicted trauma bond <laughs> or <laughs> that is then yeah. perpetuating and sabotaging you and perpetuating that trauma, you know? So I feel like it's like this interesting way where we can take all, all sides of that triangle.
0: Yes, my dear Gemini friends, all things, <laughs> all the time. And it is true. We are also like innocent and radiant beings. And remembering that is so wholesome and that it makes us whole. And also, even if it is karma, even if you do believe in reincarnation, like I do, and you feel like it goes back and back, or even if you do believe like we're imprinted collectively and it's like more than just yours um, that you're processing, it. It. it is all of it. Everything that you're saying, all of it is true. And regardless of it, of I'd, of where it came from or how it happened, I do fully believe that focusing in just on the events that happened to you and addressing it in your way is going to lead you there, you know? Like, right. No, like you need to keep looking down the past life game of shoots and ladders, like, if you, if that's not natural to you. Like, you can just see yeah. what happened to you here that feels like trauma to you here and zero in on that. And I it's holographic. You know, anytime you do a little bit of healing on something, a little bit of taking responsibility, coming to wholeness, whatever makes sense to you. I think it radiates out the whole Indra's net, the whole web. Absolutely. And I feel like it's like if we're really um, paying
1: attention to how the nature of reality works, Um, I feel like dreams, uh, lucid dreams, psychedelic vision, shamanic journeys, um, one trauma, and then it patterning out into multiple quote-unquote traumas that then, you know, perpetuate in different Uh, expressions from different kinds of people or whatever, Um, I think that the nature of reality and all those experiences show that, like, you know, say for it's a dream that could have happened, you might have had a dream about something you actually did. Or you might have had a dream that it's a metaphorical experience of something that was Mm -hmm. similar to you. Or you might have a dream that was like, actually relating to the chainsaw that was cutting tree outside of your bedroom window. Um, you know, there's all the, or the person sleeping next to you is influencing you or, you know, there's so many ways in which, you know, it's like, am I doing, am I tapping into a past life? Am I tapping into my ancestor that experienced the same kind of trauma that I then just did a regression and experienced that also did is, um, is it just a story imprinted from my grandmother's womb and that was like residing in my mother's mm-hmm. womb and passed down to me and I'm the only one that's working on my womb you know yeah. it's like there's so many ways in which these and I love that you call it the structures that we find like those rigid structures because I often see them as like these you know like rigid structures inside of our brain also like even like uh-huh. overlaying our third eye like it's this like actual like lens that gets like flipped down and like all you can see out of it is like filtered in mm-hmm. this you know, sort of reality. And I find it inside of my, my DNA and like my nervous system. And I feel like they're actually in this past life that I experienced where I was having this like energetic attack mm-hmm. on my heart, and my nervous system. And she was literally implanting something to not only wound, but like she was actually implanting something that felt very physical that was going to ripple out and like affect my DNA and my, and my nervous system, not only in that life, but like in, in, in like later lives. And so it's just really interesting that, and I'm reading this book too about, um, it didn't start with you. And it's just so far just speaking about just the core languaging and tracing it back to like the grandmother or the aunt or the mother, or someone within the family that actually had a trauma where their core languaging exactly matches this other, you know, the, the client. And, and it's like the exact same thing, but it's just, they had no idea where it started, you know, but it's like what you're saying there's this like holographic um, or what did you say? Like the, it's a, it's a mirror inside of, Um, all of our experiences we can access the the imprint itself or the or the pattern itself and address it from that very embodied and present way Mm -hmm. but it really does help sometimes to really experience the like it's almost like our you know our dna or like our ancestral or familial wounds that we're carrying these it does feel very like disorienting or Or not like for me, just experiencing this past life regression, it feels like some part of my entire like being can finally like breathe in and rest now that I like fully remember what happened. And even though it's happened so many times in this life, like there's something about that key that helps me like access those emotions deeper. And um, maybe that's just my own makeup of like, I somehow permissioned myself more or like in that experience, I experienced more of the actual quote-unquote like intense trauma and so i'm like able to process it like deeper or something than the actual like present life experiences that have been somewhat disorienting or confusing um but i i just find that so fascinating that it really holds the same imprint and the same emotion same belief system sometimes but like one of those methods will give us like the key or the or even like Multiple ones like will give us like layers and layers of, of our way to like feel into our pathway back home, mm. you know, to call ourselves back into wholeness and and like really be it's like really feels like this space of like listening and yeah. remembering helps us bring our bodies or our psyches or our souls or all of the above back into alignment. And it's like when you're like holding and doing like cranial sacral, it's like you barely do anything. You're just like giving that body that space for the cerebral spinal fluid. And for the right and left hemispheres to like start to, and even the vertebrae to start to align themselves, you know? And I just think that's so fascinating is like when that true deep listening is is held, how these parts of our soul and our body want
0: to come back to wholeness, you know? Mm-hmm. Makes to take a big breath. I feel like we just moved from Gemini to cancer in a way. We're like naming mm-hmm. all the multiplicities, multiplicities, all the different ways, all the different models. And then also it's like for this deep body, emotional breath alignment. And I I just really feel you. I think whatever it is, you know, in you sharing about that past life experience for you and past life experiences for me, there's something about it where it does seem like you get to that core or to that root in a way that's so clear and so pure. Like, it's almost like you get to the seed pattern of the fractal. Right. It's like just its sharpest and most defined where then it sort of spreads out and becomes, you know. All these Pattern, patterns on patterns, right? right? It's like you get it. just the real data poem of it, like and maybe it's something about really seeing that and understanding that, you know, with our minds and our nervous systems that then does let it sink into the body. And I am coming just back to that feeling of like the core desire of cancer to be to love. Cause I really do feel that. And it's like, maybe even to love, like people always talk about like the shell of the crab. And I know sometimes we do need our defenses and our boundaries and our walls and our truth, right? Like real boundaries comes from what's true And so I think obviously like healthy cancer knows what's true for them and has limits and all that stuff. But I think it's also in this more esoteric level, it's that ability to love, to initiate love before it got fractured, before the defense mechanisms and addictions and coping strategies started. There is this like pure desire to love before fear comes in and contracts it. Mm. and comes up with all of these strategies for survival there is like this first natural instinct which is just to love and right. maybe that is even part of that like shakti ability that we were talking that can be in people of whatever gender that like mm-hmm. parents would have watching a child which is just um that unconditional love through however you know the thing is showing up all wonky right Mm -hmm. Like loving in the face of that. In the face of a what? In the face of whatever the person's doing. You know, we started that conversation about gender a little bit because there's like a lot of ways in which... uh, like a lot of women are doing, like, this is opening a can of worms. But there's a lot of stuff out there about, like, women teaching other women to be, like, in their feminine energy to attract a man. And I think Uh a lot of this gender dynamic that they're trying to set up is that the woman's supposed to be Shakti and is going to have big feelings and, like, you know, Uh be aggressive. And, like, the man's going to be the Shivic thing who just, like, holds her with this, like, big open space and just emanates unconditional love. And so I was thinking in my mind, it's like that cancer – you know, whether you want to say it's like a, a mother, or a guy you want, you're into or like whoever it is, but it's like this capacity in all human beings to like really just love regardless of whatever is showing up in front of them. Mm-hmm. I seeing in my mind, if that makes sense. <laughs> totally.
1: I'm just still laughing about the, like, where we started with the, like, woman being this, like, the portrayal of the the, the woman and the feminine being this um, shakti or this emotional, soft nurturing. But actually, like, have you fucking seen a crab?
0: <laughs> like, <laughs> like, this crab
1: is, like, living with me. crawls She crawls, like, three stories up on concrete mm-hmm. buildings hanging upside down somehow gets in my room and like lives on my ceiling and then she comes down like she's a freaking alien you know and like, yeah, things, like spiders real. you know like their crab shell is like hard and their are pinchers and they like move it all. and all their eyes and they're totally not trusting but she like let me hold her last night and it was really it was <gasps> so crazy. oh yeah totally crawling all oh, over me gosh. and like she really didn't trust me but I was like I really felt like I was working with a woman
0: (laughs) like like this way
1: in which I have to like oh my god like melt so many parts of me and become so safe and so like intuitive and all the things um to be able to like let her like dip into the water and like she was like fighting it and she's like "Ah, you're gonna you're trying to drown me and then as soon as she touched the water she was like oh I'm really thirsty. <laughs> She's like immediately <laughs> drinking and everything we see. <laughs> and I see. Like, and, um, anyways, it was cute. she soft a little. Saw her <laughs> <laughs> my little, my little masculine night felt received. And, um, and anyways, I just, I just think it's really beautiful to to remember that like fine, like meticulous calculating very protective has like eyes looking everywhere and like the legs are going everywhere and all surfaces, you know, it's very adaptable. And I feel like that is yeah. like, well, um, you know, that part of let's just call it the feminine, the desire to like love and be safe to love and be safe to nurture and be nurtured. It is always like having that like, like deep place. Uh, not always maybe, but um, here on earth, we do have that dynamic of, is it safe? Um, What's, what what do I need to calculate in order to make this not only safe, but sustainable and for myself and for like the generations after. And I do think it's interesting about the feminine masculine dynamic of just like, you know, it's, it's like such a, a rainbow and such a, a, like very, it's such a, deep conversation but like cancer and capricorn have been the the signs predominantly um uh, representing like gender and mom mother and father and even like gender dysphoria and like you know just different kinds of experiences within gender switching exactly within like lifetimes um was in the chart and so i just find that
0: and also, and, like, oh. together are, like, what holds society together, right? Like, the moon totally. is a different echo of Saturn, right? The moon does its cycle in, like, 29 and a half days. Saturn does its cycle in 29 and a half years, right? They, they're, you know, have an exalted sort of relationship with each other in different ways. Right. And that's been the division, too, right? Capricorns hold the sort of public sphere society together. Cancers hold the domestic sphere home together, Like they really do work, you know. That serve that function. I think even if it's like um, cancers happen in the summertime, which always seems so strange, but it's actually during the summertime, which is coming. We're about to go into cancer season. It is during the summertime that it's like when all the fruits of the garden are blooming that you have to start collecting things and canning them for winter, right? Like now's the time to start your resources and getting ready for winter, and then. Capricorn happens in the, um, the winter time in the depths of winter where it's like, oh, now it's time to, um, be celebrating the light and be thinking about how, you know, the, the summer's going to come. And conserving. Yes. Hold, drawing holding, Drawing that, that energy into the roots
1: and into the trunk and like holding it there. And, um, Yeah. I think, I think it's really interesting too, of just, we, we were speaking about codependence and when, as we're speaking about these different archetypes, I'm like how (laughs) there is this part of me that's like, we should hold space not only for ourselves to experience this different way, but I, in my opinion, I feel like, and I'm, I'm like, feeling nervous to even say it because it's like does this reveal that I'm just deep down a like never-ending codependent (laughs) but I feel like it is such a beautiful gift to be able to like hold not only like nurture and give that space but to also receive that and like inside of the Leo experience it's like inside of all these archetypes I feel like we can also offer that space to another to receive that archetype, that that part of the development, that part of the expression and also like need that as well. And I just find that that's where a lot of um, our wounds, I feel like that's a lot of where our codependent and power games and all of the complexities of being inside of relationship, being inside of community and being an individual reside is like I do think there is a place where we want to give and receive the experience yeah. of those archetypes, those archetypal experiences or containers to be able to develop that. And how I do think that like people that really develop that a certain part of it to like say give it often like have the experience of not receiving it and like just these different ways in which that's um, so wounding and so hard um, is that I do think that it's been really hard for humans um, to find a way where we can healthily give space for others to experience that container and to develop this experience. And then for ourselves to be able to experience that as well, like for the people to also be able to hold that, you know? And yeah, it just, it just feels like there's something really key inside of that. Like because I do think that like what you were saying is back to the pure part of cancer, like really longing to just give love inside of the face of it all. But then there's all these ways in which that doesn't work if it's like toxic and one-sided, and and if we end up martyring ourselves and in all of these um, patterns of like people, then take, take, and take. And so it's there's these ways in which it doesn't seem to really work in at least in the way that we have so far. Um, structured it yeah
0: totally and I know we're coming towards the end of our time but yeah I think that's like one of the deepest cancer lessons to really get is like to not give the love that you hope to receive in the hopes that by giving it you will receive it and right for me it's like being willing to love exists on a higher order than organizing and communicating a healthy Exchange of giving and receiving, right? Like, the you know, obviously, like more- I feel like the more that you can love and the more that you can exist in a container of unconditional love or have unconditional love for yourself or for the person you're dealing with or whoever, those conversations become easier because your le- attachment system is less insecurely activated at that point, right? Yeah. And so you're more able to say, I don't feel like doing that tonight, or can you do that for me, or whatever the hard thing yeah. might be for you. But, um, yeah, I think that's one of the most important as a, as a cancer, (laughs) as a cancer cell node, cancer rising. And that's one of the deepest things that I've ever, I've ever learned, especially in the cancer realms of like listening and touch and nurturing and. And also
1: the eternal gift that you give the people that you love, like holding, nurturing, attuning. I I don't know, like I can't say enough, but you have given all of those things better than anyone I've ever experienced in my life. And I think that that's a part of what I, I I guess I speak about is that, yeah, there's these, these codependent ways where of course you're like learning the opposite part of it of like when you, you know, Need to not get your needs met indirectly in the way that you give, and like need to make yeah. your boundaries so that you can, like, you know, jump into these other parts of the zodiac <laughs> and develop those parts as well. But, um, but that it's really, it's really impacted me to be able to receive that experience from another of actually yeah. truly like holding that Cancerian space and like receiving it's different to just give it than it is to receive it and like I would not be the person that I am today nor would I have any understanding in like a really deep way of like love and um, being nurtured if I hadn't had the gift of like 12 years of being loved by you. (laughs)
0: Oh, my oh. God. you touch my heart so deeply you do just like you're receiving and speaking and blessing me ah oh, the greatest gifts and the greatest honor is loving you and being loved by you Being love, it's not bombed, it's like love blessed, love nectar, love honey dripping from the ceiling, love held in my highest, love reflected in all of my bejeweled hologram, loved and uplifted in every single moment. So grateful for you. And this, folks, is why you should not demonize your south node, because you have cultivated those gifts. There's the, you know, lower octave with all the wounding and the stuff in it, but there's something, there is a deep and profound gift.
1: Totally. And what I would say too, is just, um, like if we can transmit anything just to transmit that importance of finding healthy ways to like hold that cancerian space of, of nurturing and loving and letting someone unfold in emotional safety and then also finding ways to receive that. And, and people, friends, lovers, teachers, whatever that you can, you can play both of those roles with. um, It's so powerful to be able to give and receive that in that kind of way. And so deeply healing of the, the psyche and the nervous system that echoes out through generations and lifetimes. And so on that note, thank you, baby.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Love to you, love to everyone listening, love to the planets, to the signs, to the archetypes, to the beings, to the whale gods, to the dragon witches, to all of our guides and allies, to the web of life. We love you, we love you, we love you. With healthy boundaries. (laughs)
1: I was just—that's literally what I was saying. And may we all find the bridge with healthy boundaries and deep unconditional love, and knowing when to cut those motherfuckers off.
0: They work together, baby. They work together. All right. So much love. We'll catch you next time.